the reading is taken from the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 12 to 34. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preachings is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise Christ from but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who, and those, and those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruit then, when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he, was, he has destroyed all dominions, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death for he has put everything under his feet. Now when it, has, when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him, who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. Now if there is no resurrections, what will those who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? And as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day, yes, just as surely as I boast about you in Christ Jesus our Lord. I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes. What have I gained? If the dead are not raised, let's, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be misled. Bad companies corrupt good characters. Come back to your senses as you ought, and stop sinning. And there are some who are ignorant of God. I say this to your shame. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, great. People can hear me. And let's keep this passage open and look at it together. 
And let's pray as we start. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it tells us the truth. Thank you there. There is a resurrection that Jesus was raised, that we will be raised. And we pray that this truth would change our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Well, the news, of course, uh, what's on many Christians' mind is those attacks in Sri Lanka a few weeks ago. A um, few bombs went off in different churches and hundreds of Christians were killed. And one of the, yeah, of course, it's in, even here in the news, it was such a disaster, the hurt, the grief. One of the things that really uh, touched people, a story that came out, that there was this Sunday school. Children who, they have Sunday school before the service so they can join in. And uh, yeah, they, they had their lesson and at the end the teacher asked, are you willing to die for Jesus? Are you willing to die? And all the children, they put their hand up. Yes, I'm willing to die for Jesus. Well, 30 minutes later, half of them did. And of course, that, uh, all these families ripped apart. What a tragedy, right? What a terrible event. But, but how do you respond to that? How do you respond to children being willing to die and actually dying? You know, you bring your children here to Kingdom Kids. If you... The teachers ask your child if they're willing to die for Jesus. Well, how do you feel about that? Uh, would you take your children out? Oh, come on, that, that, that's not really appropriate for them. And yet, yet in so many countries in the world, that is the Christian life, right? Jesus told us we would be hated by all. Uh, people will try to kill you, and that's a reality. But, but we see that, and we think these poor children, they have their whole life ahead of them. Uh, how can you drag your children into this Christianity thing? Uh, yeah, that's often our response. And yet, that is not how we should think, isn't it? Because why were they thinking about dying for Jesus? Because it was Easter Sunday. Because Jesus was raised from the dead. And because Jesus is raised from the dead, it's okay. You are, can be willing to die for Jesus because you have another life. That is the message that, that the world just doesn't get, isn't it? But that is what energizes the Christian life. That is where Paul is going today. That is how he is living. It's how he wants the Corinthians to live, how he wants us to live. If we understand the resurrection, then actually there's more to life than this life. There is more to us. And that's a wonderful truth. I hope that will speak to us. I hope it will see things in perspective. And it will yeah, change our lives. Paul is talking to the church in Corinth. As you saw in verse 12, their problem is they don't believe in the resurrection. How can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? I mean, they believe that when you die, your soul kind of lives on. It's immortal. But no real life after death. And that is why they're having so many problems in the church. Paul wants to sort them out. No. There is a resurrection. Of course, fundamentally, first, Jesus has been raised from the dead. It's what we saw last week. You know, he's really raised. Look at all the evidence. Jesus has been raised. But today, actually, that means that we will be raised. And that is what I want to convince us of, that yes, we will be raised from the dead if we trust in Jesus. But he goes to a very unusual place for that. So in verses 20 to 28... His focus is on, on God's plan. Uh, you, you can see his point in verse 20. Uh, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Uh, Jesus is just the first. 
the big harvest, here's one apple that's ripe, well, all the others will come as well. But why will they all come? Well, he goes back to the creation. He goes back to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1 to 3. Because what Jesus is doing, he is reversing what Adam did. Verse 21, for since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. Adam, he sinned, he brought death to all who belong to him. Jesus, of course, he died on the cross, and that brought life to all who belong to him. It's reversing Adam. But why is that so important? Well, in verse 24, the imagery changes. Let me read 24 to 26. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And now we're talking about defeating enemies. Jesus destroying everything that's against him. So it's, the idea is of an invasion. Here was God's good world. And then through Adam, you know, it, sin and death came into the world. And Jesus is going to destroy them. He's going to destroy all his enemies. He's going to destroy sin and death and make things as they were supposed to be. That's the idea here. And Jesus is he, he's bringing things back to how they were. And God had this great plan for humanity, uh, this beautiful garden, humanity, uh, physical bodies in a physical creation with fruit that was pleasing to the eye and good for food. That was God's plan. But then Satan came and he tempted Adam and Eve and they sinned and it was all spoiled. And God's plan, well, was ruined. But do you think God will let his plan be spoiled? That's the thing. The answer is no. God had this great garden and he's not going to give up on it. That's the idea here. Jesus is going to go back to what God's plan was supposed to be. God's, God's plan for humanity. God's purpose. Right? I don't know how we should see that. You know, what is God's plan? He, he, is God going to have his plan fulfilled? The thing is, you know, we die, we float around. God would be defeated. Satan came in and he ruined God's plan. It would be a plan B. But God is the king of everything. God is not going to lose. And so Paul says, well, if that is the case, God will raise us from the dead. He's going to get rid of death because death spoils God's creation. It's an enemy. Eh? Death is not something good that was always there. It's an enemy. And Jesus is going to destroy it and he's going to restore God's creation. And God's plan will be fulfilled because God, he won't let it happen. That's the thing, isn't it? We see death and we think it's tragic. And we see the hurt. And we think, okay, God cares about our suffering. That's why he will raise us from the dead. But it's more than that, isn't it? Because this is about his glory. This is about his original design being fulfilled. As long as there's death, it looks like God has lost. It looks like God is not in control. 
Uh, we, we see Sri Lanka. We see the cyclone in Mozambique and all the devastation. We see the, the poverty in the world and we see the famines and we see crime and we f people say, where is God? You know, if this is God's world, why isn't he doing anything? Why does he let this happen? That's what it looks like. And this passage says, no, God will not let it happen. The Father has sent the Son to sort it all out and at the end everything will be right, everything will be reversed, everything will be as it should be and no one will have any complaints anymore. No one will have anything to say. Everyone will say, yeah, it's fine, it's great, it's worth it, it's gone. And God is glorified. At the end of the verse, right? God will be all in all. But that's the future then. The future is like the Garden of Eden. And it's, it's not like this. The future is beautiful. And so we have another life. And our future is, well, we talked about it last week. And this phrase YOLO, you only live once. You know, make the most of this life because it's the only one you have. But if there is a resurrection from the dead, if God will fulfill his purpose, then actually you have two lives. Right? You will have another life. And I don't know, what, what do you think of this future life? Because often we explain Christianity, you know, when you die, you can go to heaven. And, and that's, that's the great thing, you go to heaven. But I don't know, does heaven sound very exciting to you? What do people think heaven is about? Probably something like this, right? A white dress on a cloud with a harp, and you know, that is your eternity. Is that what you hope in? You know, after I die, I'm going to be like this. As many people do. Or maybe, you know, the eternal worship service, right? It says, you know, uh, they will worship him day and night forever and ever. And so day and night forever and ever you're worshipping, right? Four millionth time. Death could not. Right? <laughs> is that what you expect? Well, no, that is not God's plan for you. God's plan for you is the Garden of Eden. I mean, this, this just doesn't sound very attractive, right? I, I love this cartoon by Gary Larson, this guy sitting on a cloud on his own, and he's thinking, I wish I'd brought a magazine, you know? I mean, it's better than hell, right? Better than hell, but, you know, this is not great. And this is not really going to motivate you, right? You know, living the Christian life, but at least I can go to heaven. At least I can have a white dress and a harp and sit on a cloud. No. God's plan is for life. He created you with taste buds. He wants you to use them. He created you with a nose to smell. He created you with ears to hear music. He created you with eyes to see beauty. That is his plan for you. He created you in a body that can work, meaningful, fulfilling work, that can have friendships and that can enjoy and that can explore the world and that can go on adventures. That is God's plan. God's plan is not for you to just float around in a white dress. Uh, yes, there is a heaven. You know, when you die, you go there, but it's just a waiting room. God is making a new creation. He's making a, a new garden of Eden, a paradise, and you will have an, a whole life there, a perfect life. I mean, isn't that wonderful? It, I mean, for many of us, death comes to us, right? I mean, for those children, of course, uh, they were willing to die. And, you know, is their life wasted? 
Well, if they have another life, it's okay. Uh, now, we don't face that, but, you know, old age. Many of us, we're getting older, and you see your body that kind of stops working, and you think, well, I'm going to die at some point. And I'm, turn I'm turning 43 this week, but, you know, I can see the thinning hair. I used to be able to sew like this, but now I need to hold it here because my, my eyes are... Yeah? I I'm getting old. But I don't have to worry. I have another life coming. Maybe you had all these plans for your life and then suddenly uh, illness strikes. And all your plans have to change and everything you wanted to do in this life is not going to happen. It is. In the next life, you will have another life. A life without death. A life without suffering. A life... great. Now, even if you just feel like you're missing out, this is Hong Kong, and you're working 80 hours a week, <laughs> and you have no time for anything, and you feel, is this my life? I'm missing out on everything. You're not going to miss out. God's plan is not for you to work 100 hours a week and then get a heart attack. That's not God's plan for you. You're going to be in a new creation and, and, and live and have, yeah, enjoy, explore everything. That is God's plan, it says here. And why is the resurrection important? Well, it means you will have another body, another life, not just floating around. Uh, praise God for that. I, I hope that gives you hope. I mean, I don't know how real death is for you. It is something that comes to us. In a hundred years' time, we'll all be dead. But there is another life. And if that's true, and you have two lives... Well, this life is expendable, right? You have a spare life. In fact, in a way, this is the spare one. That's the real one that will last forever. This is the spare one. And that means for Paul, actually, if we have another life, you can give this one up. You can give it up. Because that's where he is going then. At 29 to 34, he turns to human examples and says, look, <laughs> the resurrection, that, that's how Christians live. And now verse 29, you know, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? I've got no idea what it means. No one has any idea. But some Christians are doing some kind of baptism for the dead. And Paul says, doesn't that show they believe in a resurrection? Doesn't it show that, you know, <laughs> there's a resurrection? But then he turns to, to us. Yeah? Verse 30, and as for us, uh, apostles and missionaries, uh, God's servants. What does the resurrection mean for them? And he says, well, surely we believe in a resurrection, right? Otherwise, why would we live like this? Verse 30, and as for us, why do we endanger ourselves every hour? I face death every day. You know, uh, these guys, they go around preaching, they go around being persecuted, going into prison, etc. Why do that if there's no resurrection? Why live like that? I mean, it gives a, an extreme example. Verse 32, if I fought wild beasts in Ephesus with no more than human hopes, what have I gained? Uh, I don't know. Uh, you've seen Gladiator maybe? Uh, that was a popular sport at the time, or sport, entertainment. You know, people being thrown to the lions and, you know, f trying to uh, survive in the arena. They didn't get many volunteers for that sport. 
Don't know why. Well, you're going to die, right? And what's the point of doing that? And he compares his work, look, why don't I go to the lions if you're just going to die? Yeah? As he says, if there is no resurrection from the dead, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. You know, no resurrection, don't waste your life, enjoy yourself. Go, sample the best food and the best drink and uh, enjoy this and enjoy that. Don't, don't be like us, right? But if it is true, then you can do this, right? If you have two lives, you can give one up. This one is spare. That is what they did. And I think that's where Paul wants us to go. Uh, how does he apply it? I mean, he gives some small applications. Verse 33. Do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Uh, you know, you listen to the wrong people, it's going to corrupt you. In Corinthians, that's what you're doing. You know, you're into Greek philosophy. You're listening to the people around you who believe in no resurrection, and that's why you're living like this. Uh, don't, don't listen to them. Don't listen to the world around you. Something for us, right? We want to live for Jesus. We want to live with the resurrection in mind. Well, don't look at your colleague who goes on all the holidays and, all the, and has all the gadgets because this is the only life he has. You know there's more. <laughs> don't look at them. <laughs> you know, as a parent, don't look at the other parents who, you know, they send their kids to ballet and piano and Mandarin and math. So just to, you know, they need to have the best life here now, the most success. Because there's more. You know that. Then don't be influenced by them, right? I know a missionary who goes the other way. Actually, every day is part of his quiet time. He looks at a passage of the new creation. He reminds himself of the resurrection because that is what should govern his life, not the world around him. So, that, yeah, don't listen to, uh, <laughs> to some of them. Um, a second, of course, he says, stop sinning, right? Uh, verse 34, come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. Uh, they were getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. They were sleeping with prostitutes. They were joining in idol worship. And he says, yeah, wake up, stop it, right? That's how you live if there's no resurrection, but there is. So, you know, don't live like that. And maybe that's some of you here. Maybe you're doing stuff that you know you shouldn't, but hey, you want to make the most of this life. You feel you're going to miss out, stop it. But, but that's not all. Paul doesn't want us to just give up sin. He's thinking of giving up our life. And how does the chapter end? Verse 58. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm, let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. He wants them to give themselves fully to something greater, like they did. The apostles, they gave up their life to go around church planting. You know, the apostles, yes, they were the leaders of the worldwide church. But, but they were not mega church pastors with suits and you know, cars. They were church planters who spent time in prison, that kind of stuff. But they did that. They did that, of course, for the glory of Jesus because that is how the kingdom grows. This is what Jesus is doing, uh, saving people. But they could do it because, you know, I can give up my life because I have another one. That is what, yeah, what they did. And if actually, that's always been the case. How did the gospel come to Hong Kong? You know, missionaries who traveled around the world. 
And, and nowadays, being a missionary is quite easy. You've got Wi-Fi everywhere, and you've got planes that take you back and forth. Long ago, it was different. And hundreds of years ago, people went out. They brought the gospel everywhere, but, you know, I don't know how... That's some, back then, how long did the average missionary serve? Six months. Most of them, they, they died. Some of them, they got on the boat, five-month journey to the other side of the world, but they just died on the journey. What a waste, right? Except that they have another life. You know, they, they were aware of that. They knew that. Uh, there was one guy, Adoniram Judson, he went to, uh, to Burma. And before he went as a missionary, he proposed, or he wanted to date a girl. But uh, be aware, I'm going to go to Burma, so you'd have to join me. And so she said, well, uh, please ask my dad. And so he wrote a letter uh, asking if, if he could date uh, the guy's daughter. And this is what he asked. I have now to ask whether you can consent to part with your daughter early next spring to see her no more in this world, whether you can consent to her departure and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of a missionary life, whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. You know, I want to date your daughter. This is what awaits her. Are you okay with that? Well, they did get married. <laughs> yeah? Because how did he motivate his father? Well, partly, look at Jesus. Yeah, can you consent to all this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you, for the sake of perishing immortal souls? for the sake of Zion and the glory of God. But then, can you consent to all this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory? And he ends with the resurrection. Yes, you're not going to see her again in this life. She may die soon. You're going to see her in glory, you know, <laughs> in the new world. And so, yeah, he could give up his daughter. She could give up her life because there is more to come. And so, yeah, give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. Now, the work of the Lord, you may wonder, what is that? Is that my, my job in the bank? Well, in 16 verse 10, the next chapter, that's very helpful. 16 verse 10, Paul says, when he writes, when Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you, for he is carrying on the work of the Lord, just as I am. So the work of the Lord, it's what Paul and Timothy do, Right? It's, it's gospel work, making Jesus known, evangelism, discipleship, the spread of the gospel of the kingdom. That is, that is it. And so he's asking, join me in that. Give yourselves fully to that. As far as you're able, join me for the kingdom, which means giving up. So for us, yeah. For some of us, are you willing to give up your life? I mean, maybe God is calling you to mission work. Maybe he's calling you to go somewhere dangerous. That's giving up your life, yeah. But you have another one, a better one. Uh, maybe it's more the things here in Hong Kong. You know, if you talk to people about Jesus, if you open up, 
what happens? I, I guess you socially die, right? You know that everyone will find you boring when you go around saying that you're a Christian. Everyone will think you're weird. You're going to be excluded. And that's a cost, right? You're giving up your reputation. You're giving <laughs> you might give up your friendships that way. That's okay. Because you have another life. You will have another one. Maybe it's just giving up time. Making time to pray. Making time to meet with people. Making time uh, for the Bible. And, and reading that with other people. Now maybe you say, I don't have time. That's right. I'm not saying use your time. Make, make time. Which means giving up something. And the Corinthians struggled to give up. They became Christians, but they couldn't give all this stuff up. Hence the drunkenness and the prostitutes and everything. Now, we were not like that, but can we give up things for the gospel? And that is what Paul wants. So think this week, you know, for you to do more for the gospel, what would you have to give up? And and then next week, we're going to think more about that. Uh, Yeah, giving up in light of the resurrection. As long as we just keep our eyes on Jesus, right? How can we do this? Well, the resurrection. We know Jesus is raised, and so we know we will be raised, and we will have another wonderful, glorious life. Uh, so let's, uh, let's have a moment of quiet. Um, well, uh, and then the music team comes up.